I want to thank you for being part of Dynamic Love Ministries by watching this material and sending the link to other people. There are thousands of people being touched all over the world by this gospel of grace through Dynamic Love Ministries and you are part of that. I just thought it good to just share some of the statistics that we've lately received of our website and how many people are being touched by this website. We've had 18,200 messages downloaded last month from our website from 25,000 people that visited the website of 82 nations of the world. And that is so, so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing the links, telling people about this website so that the gospel of grace can be preached. The reason why I share this is not to show you how big our ministry is, but simply to encourage you to continue to share the link with other people on Facebook, on MySpace, emailing people, making CDs and DVDs and sending it to people. I want to just encourage you and tell you that your effort of evangelism is really working and touching the lives of people. It's just awesome to know that there's a great team of people out there spreading the gospel of grace in a very effective way. God bless you for that. Amen. Yeah. Right, we're going to... We're going to talk about prayer. You know, when it comes to prayer, so many times we feel in our hearts, um, God, you know, uh, uh, it, 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 you know, it's like praying for the men on the men's camp now. You know, we're going to pray. How does prayer work? And why does prayer work? Why must we pray and then God's now going to answer us? Um, if the Bible says God gave us everything in Jesus Christ, why do we need then to pray? You know, and I've had that question many times. How does, how does prayer, um, what is the place prayer's got in the life of a grace believer? And um, because it can sound like this work that we must do so that God can do something for us. Unless I've prayed enough, you know, and like the, the, prayer, the, the prayer meter in heaven hits full, then God cannot release anything for us. You know, so now we are sending these prayers to heaven and God is just waiting for us to have enough faith with prayer plus who knows what, you know, and then something's going to manifest. And I just think as we're going to study this, it's going to bring a lot of clarity in our life concerning prayer. And um, I've been thinking about prayer. You know what? As you, as you get into grace, you find that your life changes. You find that your prayer life changes. Um, and maybe sometimes we feel guilty because we didn't pray as much as what we used to pray. But our prayer life changes and takes on a different format. And then when we study the Bible, we see but what we are doing now is what prayer actually is. But we had a, a wrong concept of it and tried to do something, you know, like praying for an hour or praying for two hours. I was really stuck in that. I remember in Bible school times, I mean, Lena can vow to that. I would you know, pray hours every day, fast twice a week, you know. I'm still suffering the consequences, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> there are some people here that never fasts, you know. <laughs> so, you know, or they fasted long ago. Well, um, I think I, I haven't been fasting the way I used to fast since 1996. So 
but I've, I've discovered a real fast. And the real fast is, and I've been on that fast now for 14 years, and that is not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Amen. Amen. I'm not eating anymore at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and that was what the fast was in the Old Testament. What you did was, um, before the, the, the people was, have been led out of Egypt, they had to fast and take a lamb and see the lamb is slain. So you stop to eat and the lamb becomes your food. His blood that flowed for you and you were led out. And I believe that is the New Testament fast that we are in. Isaiah 58 clearly says, is this the fast that I have chosen for a man to bow like a bulrush? You know, to go down in sackcloth and ashes. He says, this is not the fast that I have chosen. A day for a man to afflict his soul. No, that's not the fast that I've chosen. This is the fast that I've chosen. To, to let loose the bonds of wickedness. Amen. So there's a completely different thing. And, and I'm not going to talk about fasting now. That is just, I think next, next week I might be speaking about that. But when it comes to prayer... I remember when I was praying for hours, you know, and as I was praying for hours, I was seeking this breakthrough. But if I must be honest, you know, I didn't hear anything from God. I was praying and praying and praying and praying, but I was not hearing anything. Because the channel that I've tuned into was Channel Works. But God broadcast on Channel Grace. So I was hearing something, but definitely not God. And I would pray, I would literally pray six to eight hours a day, fast twice a week, and something did happen to me, and that was I became proud. Because I felt that I know more than the pastor, and I know more than other people, and I'm closer to God, and other people are just lazy, why don't they want to pray? But my prayer was born out of willpower. I, because I've got a strong will. So it was willpower, and, I, and, and that was the whole prayer life. And then people without that strong willpower... <laughs> You know, they never pray because there's nothing that inspires them and they only feel guilty all the time. And when they pray, they don't know how to pray. In the name of Jesus or when must you say in the name of Jesus? When do I have enough faith? And all those type of things. Now let's go to Psalm 37. We're going to talk about prayer. Unfortunately, we lost two minutes of our audio track, and I'm going to fill this in from the studio. Let's read Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That word delight, believe it or not, one of the big meanings and major meanings of that word is to be pampered. Be pampered by the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that word desire... Um, also means request. It doesn't just mean a desire or a want. It is a request that comes forth. And the word request is also one of the meanings of the word prayer in the New Testament. So um, the way I interpret this verse is, delight yourself, allow yourself to be pampered by God, and He will bring forth requests in your heart or on the foundation of your new belief system which is formed from being pampered by God. Now that is basically the foundation of prayer. So what we are saying is, and what I'm going to explain in this message further, 
is that as we are pampered in our heart by God, the correct platform for prayer is laid and prayer is born from the platform of being pampered and cared for by God. Amen. So that is the basic foundation that I want to share from, from Psalm 34, uh, 37 verse 4 and 5 there. Be pampered. Allow yourself to be pampered. If you don't allow yourself to be pampered, the request that will come forth in your heart will not be of God. It will be of the law. It will be of uh, situations, friends, peer pressure and all those type of things. But the request that comes forth is supposed to be born from a platform where you allow yourself to be pampered. Now it's difficult for men, especially if I think of myself, um, you know, that I'll be pampered. You know, you think of women and going to uh, a, a place where they do their hair and all, do makeup and all those type of things and then they are pampered. But as a man, I've experienced the pamper of the Lord in things like this. That His obedience is my obedience. His life is my life. His righteousness is given as a free gift. He will never deal with me on the basis of my works and all those type of things. There are so many beautiful, powerful things in the scriptures that pampers our belief and forms our belief into a place where the requests that's designed by God, tailor-made for us, will come forth. Amen. So just enjoy the rest of this message. I'm sure it's going to change your prayer life completely. Amen. When I was, I wrote this on the internet and I said, for you to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, you need to acknowledge Him as the one that serves you. Now that sounds like, okay, if I acknowledge Jesus as Lord, then I say I'm higher than Him. But if you want to acknowledge Him as Lord, you must acknowledge Him as Lord according to the principle of the New Testament. And the principle of the New Testament is this. He that wants to be the greatest must be the servant, the biggest servant. So if you say Jesus is the greatest, acknowledging that He's the greatest in the kingdom of God, you acknowledge that He became the servant of the least. Amen. So for you to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ, you need to acknowledge that He served me with eternal life. He served me with peace outside of my works. He served me with righteousness outside of my works. He served me with His very being. That's how He serves me. And for you to, I mean, th think for yourself, if somebody that's very rich and very high up in some company or government or whatever comes and he sees you, um, in town and he comes and he serves you by washing your feet it will be humiliating it will be almost I mean it will you'll have to humble yourself to allow him to do it now imagine the God of heaven coming and serving you by washing you now imagine God comes and he washes you he comes and says, I will wash you. You don't have to wash yourself. I'll wash you. I don't care where you've walked. I don't care how long it's been since you've taken a bath. I don't care if you're clean or if you're not clean. I want to wash you. And I want to serve you with my being. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, it means you allow God to serve you with Jesus. That is acknowledging His Lordship. Amen. 
It's like Abraham and Melchizedek. What did Melchizedek do? The king of righteousness, the, the, the king of Salem, the king of peace. He came and served Abram by giving him a good word and, and, and giving him bread and wine. And Abraham allowed him to serve him. Then he acknowledged and says, from now on Melchizedek will be my king and he gave him a tithe. Okay? Now, I'm not saying by that we are taking up tithes or whatever. I'm not going to... I thought today is... Do you know today is the 10th of the 10th of 2010? I thought it would be good to preach on the tithe. <laughs> but I thought, now let's, let, let's, let's talk on prayer. Okay, now, you'll see the next verse there says, And He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that word desires the word request. Now, when you go and study the word prayer, in the, in, in the Greek, you will see that the word prayer also means request. In the Hebrew, prayer also means uh, meditation, to meditate. So, uh, 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 you, you can pray by simply meditating on what God has done. That is prayer. Okay? And by the prayer like the Hebrew people would do it, or the meditation, you will find that your heart, your belief system, is being cared for by our Lord Jesus. And He will rule in our hearts. Not, and the Bible says, in the kingdom of God, let's not lord it over each other like the Gentiles. But he that wants to be the greatest must be the servant of the least. So, your heart is being under the rulership of Christ, which is Him serving you. Now I tell you, for our, for our mind, that is too big. How can God serve me? But here comes Jesus, and He says, I did not come to be served. But I've come to serve. Amen. So are you going to allow Him to be the Lord? He was Lord by doing what? By serving us. With what? With His obedience on our behalf. With Him representing us. With Him giving us His righteousness. With Him imputing His holiness to us. You know, Paul says that I've been counted faithful. I've been counted faithful to be a minister of the gospel. Now, when was Paul counted faithful? Have you ever thought of that? When was he counted faithful? Because he was on the road to Damascus, persecuting the church, and a week later he preached. And God said, I will show him what he will still suffer for me. And then God counted him faithful while he was persecuting the church. So God didn't count him faithful because of everything he did good. It was imputed to him. God saw the faithfulness of Christ and dealt with, with Saul on the basis of Jesus. Amen. And that's how he served Saul, which was called himself the chief of all sinners. God served the apostle Paul when he was Saul in a way that we could never imagine. He served him. Here was a man killing the church and he gave that man served him with an enlightened mind of revelation that no other man ever had. But when Jesus appeared, he said, Lord, and he allowed him to serve him. 
He was struck blind. He, he, he said, what shall I do? Take him down to that house. He went to that house. A man prayed for him. The scales came off his eyes. And I believe that was also a sign of what really happened. He could st- he, he, when he opened the scriptures, all of a sudden he was seeing grace. And God was revealing grace to him. Amen. So here, when you delight yourself in the Lordship of Christ, you'll find that He will give you the requests or the prayers of your heart. Now the word heart also means belief system. So uh, um, the wonderful thing is, our prayers is, comes out of what we believe. What you believe directs your request you make, make to God. Okay? So when we pray... I want to say this, you can't pray, actually, before you are loved by God. You must first be loved by God. When you receive love, you can pray to Him. What happened to the people? They saw how God was good to sinners. They saw how Jesus healed people. And as they was looking at how God heals the sick, then a request came into their heart based on the goodness of God towards others. And that request was the prayer, and they said, Lord, please heal my daughter. Okay, now, if you, if you look at uh, um, Psalm 37, it says, Delight in the Lord, you know, and He will give you the desires or the requests of your heart. Then it says, Make known your way unto the Lord. And I think that's where prayer really comes in. This is my, my opinion on where prayer really comes in. So I delight myself in the Lord. I find these requests coming into my heart. And then I choose one of them, or two of them, or three of them. Which is my way. Which, the thing I want. Which is founded in the belief, or in the heart, that comes forth from being cared for by God. Okay? So when you're loved by God, by the message of grace, a certain belief in your heart will be formed about who He is. Out of that you'll find requests coming forth. And you can choose what comes forth, for He will give you the requests that there should be. That's why we can pray according to His will. How do we pray according to His will? What does God want for your life? What is the best for your life? It's not, oh God, what is your will? Should I do this? Should I do that? No, no, no. That's not how we get the will of God for our life. The way we get the will of God for our life is very, very simple. All you do is you allow God to serve you with this message of unconditional love. As you do that, then He will give you the desires of your heart. And those desires are tailor-made for you. Those requests are tailor-made for you. I tell you, I have been pampered by God, but I never had any request to go for ballet lessons. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Because the desire God gives you is for you. Amen. That's why I cannot look at somebody else's life to see what's God's will for my life. The only way you'll discover that is by being cared for by the message of grace. The the request will come forth in your heart. And then what we do is we make that request known to God. So saying, God, I request this. God, I request to preach the gospel all over the world. 
Amen. That desire was not born. And, and you know, you can so easily see as if something comes from God or not. If the prayer will be answered or not. So easy because, you know, if I look at somebody else's things and somebody else's, else's success and my prayer, and, and then I feel inferior because of their success and because of their breakthrough and because of how God answers their prayer. And now I go with an emotion in my heart. Well, if God does it for him, he must do it for me. And now I say, God, now you must do it for me. That was not born of being pampered by God. It is born out of, why can he have it and I can't have it? And it will be very difficult because now you'll have all these mixed emotions. But if you say, God, thank you that money and people and situations, when Jesus, when God became a human being and represented me, money and situations and people and, and all those things lost its privilege to define me. It doesn't have the privilege to define me. I cannot be defined by those things. So I cannot be condemned by those things. To the point that Paul says, in these things I am more than a conqueror. Because the Jew could never understand that. The Jew always said, I must come out of this thing in order to be a conqueror. But Paul says, there's something greater than what the Jew had. I can be in trouble. I can be in distress and still say, I'm a conqueror. Now, let's look at Janet's testimony. She comes and she testifies that she still drinks tablets because she struggles with depression in the natural. But she declares, I'm healed. I've been healed by Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? That means that depression, even in the very presence of depression, she's more than a conqueror. Okay. Now, I don't say that she cannot be completely healed. And I know that her body and the, the chemical things in her brain and whatever, it will be restored. But there's no other way but this path of belief in and finding your identity in Christ. So her prayer is, thank you, Lord. You know, I mean, she was delighting in the Lord, and as she was delighting in the Lord, there was a desire that came up in her heart. The desire that came up in her heart is, I will take the tablet and not be condemned. Now, another person will say, how can that ever be the will of God? But that's out of her being pampered by God in what is tailor-made for her for now. And as, she's, as she allows God to speak to her, as she does that, you will find God giving her other things to believe and to act on. And request from God. Amen. Th that is exactly it. I remember when I just came to, um, to Malmesbury. Inside my heart, I said, well, I can't just preach over television. I can't just preach over the internet. Um, I mean, I don't meet with people. You know, and I was delighting in the Lord, and I was, in my heart, there's a passion for people, and I said, Lord, I want to preach somewhere. I, I need to preach to some people. I want to do that. And then a lady phoned me that was watching me on Kubis Lorenzburg channel that time, and she said to me, Bertie, um, I live here in this complex. And he says, I want to come and see you. And she came and she saw me, she says, I want to be part of your ministry. I said, how do you want to be part of my ministry? She says, I don't know. I said, well, I would like to start something in, in, in uh, this Belleville, Durbanville area and um, start a preach here. 
do you know of a place? She says, yes, and this is this place. And then she came to one service, and I've never seen her since. And she just testified, and what happened was, she said, I phoned her later, she says, Cape Town's too cold, I moved back to Johannesburg. <laughs> yeah, it's too cold. <laughs> it's cold and wet, that's wrong, you know. Cold's okay, but cold and wet. So she, she moved back, but, but just look at the desire that came into my heart. And then when I made that desire known, that was my prayer to God, my request to God. So prayer, people, is not you going on your knees trying to persuade God through your fervent prayer to do something for you. Prayer is meditation on the Lordship of God and how He serves you. And out of that, requests will come. And that request doesn't have to take hours to make known unto God. Simple as that. Amen. It's like the trip to Zambia. You know, things worked out with the moving of the office and vessel and it going that I couldn't go to Zambia this year. It was just the way it was. I, but as I was delighting in the Lord, I wasn't condemned for not going to Zambia, feeling, I, well, I'm missing God or anything. We don't live on that thing, I'm missing God. Am I missing God? Am I not missing God? We're living on the platform of the fullness of God. And from that platform, you know, I, I, things worked out that I couldn't go. But I made my request known. For my desire was, I want to go. I said, Lord, I want to go to Zambia. And now there was an American that was supposed to go with me. And now I, we cancelled. So obviously he's not going to go with me. And it's in the middle of the bush. A normal vessel went with, normally vessel went with me. So he's not here. So now I will go alone. Now I've been alone to the middle of nowhere. I tell you, it's not nice. I phoned the guy in America. I said to him, listen, if you still want to go, tell me. His wife, when she just heard that a voice message, you know, on the phone. She just listen, that voice message that came through is Bertie asking you to go to Africa and you must go. <laughs> she, she listened and it was me. And he said, I'm going. Now, isn't that awesome, you know? So we can live from that platform because that desire is born from being pampered by God. Hallelujah. So you just make that request known to God. Right, now let's go to some other verses. How long have I preached? Okay, a lot of time left. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. And we'll just see the same uh, uh, um, pattern in the New Testament. So, when you are meditating upon the goodness of God in Jesus Christ, you are in prayer. Okay. When you are meditating on condemnation and judgment and those type of things, you're not in prayer. Prayer means to meditate. And I, and I like what the Hebrew meaning is, to meditate. One of the meanings, to meditate, to ponder on. Okay, until a desire comes. Then prayer is also to make known your request. And I like what that verse says, the next verse in, in, Proverbs, uh, in, in, in Psalm 37. It says, then you make your way known unto the Lord and you trust Him. Trust 
It's impossible for a person to trust somebody else unless that person has shown forth his integrity. Trust is not something you decide to have in someone that you don't know. Trust can only is a fruit of a revelation of equity of character. Okay, so you see this God, God is a God that has been good to you, He's pampered you, He's been good to you by serving you with eternal life, He counts you faithful, He deals with you on the foundation of the fullness of God, and all those things. Those things brings forth trust. And then the Bible says, then God will bring it forth. It's not you that will bring it forth, God will bring it forth. And nothing can stop that. It's impossible for the force of heaven, God himself is behind the answering of that prayer. The desire, the, the foundation is God. The desire comes from God. It will feel like your desire because it will be in your heart. Okay. <laughs> and he will answer it as I make it known. But there's a time when I will make it known. Say, God, this is my desire. Amen. Philippians 4, what did I say? It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Be careful, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer, now I want to just use that word there, meditation, okay, and supplication, making it known to God. You know, supplication, submitting it to Christ. And that's what I see also in, in Psalm 37 there, is prayer is, when I, when I pray to God, I meditate on His goodness. I am delighting in the Lord. Then I make it known to God. I bring my way before God. That's also prayer. Saying, God, but this is the request that comes forth from you. So when things come that troubles your heart, you can know that those troubles, those thoughts of worry, doesn't originate from God. That's not from God. But in prayer, you make this desire that God has put in your heart known unto God. Okay? Listen to this. In verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts. You see, this is the wonderful thing. Um, and outside of the good news, now this sounds technical, but please listen to what I say. Outside of the good news, it's so difficult to pray. Because none of the scriptures, none of the methods, if you want to use methods, makes any sense. Here it says, make your request known unto God, okay? Don't worry about anything. Make it known to God. Then the peace of God will guard your belief system. Now, if, if, I don't, if I don't know who God is, and I've got a shortage in a certain area of my life, and I make it known unto God, do you think the peace of God will now guard my heart? No way. So that's why prayer cannot have any foundation outside you being pampered by the gospel of grace. It's got no foundation. It cannot work. It will be difficult for you. I'm not just talking about one prayer to get a breakthrough. Oh God, my car broke. Please send somebody to help me or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a life of prayer. I'm talking about a relationship with God. So never underestimate what it is to have a heart 
flooded with a message of being absolutely cared for by God. Hallelujah. That's why it says in Proverbs 4, it says, Incline your ear unto my saying. Let it go deep into your heart. So how do we get a heart persuaded of who God is? By listening to His Word. And what is His Word? His Word is Jesus and what Jesus has done for you and as you. Amen. Hallelujah. So that is how we, we do it. I tell you, when you know, um, I think I used this example last time, if, so, say my son is being bullied at school, and he tells his dad, now because he knows how I've reacted before when somebody bullies one of my children, from that moment he's got peace. Even if the guy still bullies him tomorrow, he knows I told my dad. And he knows his dad's going to sort the guy out. That's just the way it is. Amen. And that's the same thing. Out of that relationship that I have got with my children, when they make their request known, now, do you think they will request unless my character brings it, brings the, draws that request forth? If he thinks I'm going to be angry with him, Saying, yeah, but why do they bully you? Are you not bullying them? They will not come to me. But if my character is in such a way that it's good towards him, then whenever a desire, the desire that he has for protection, the desire that he has for help, the desire that he has for somebody to care for him, will be drawn forth by who I am and his view of me. He will not come and request if, if I'm this dictating monster but if I'm a father that cares for him it will bring forth the desire and he will with boldness come and speak amen so that's how prayer functions the platform of prayer the platform of making your request known is born out of the revelation of God's unconditional love for us okay let's go to Luke chapter 11 So prayer is a very natural part of a person's life. Anything, people, if it is an effort that you must try and push through, it's not born of God. It's born out of willpower. It's born out of willpower. We don't want will worship. Remember what the Bible says in Colossians. We don't want will worship. The Bible says will worship doesn't have any power to satisfy the flesh. Will worship doesn't work. You know, they, they also asked my sister on, on, on uh, Radio Pulpit now, what about uh, besef? I don't know what besef is in, in, in English. besef is, is um, well, I've got this obligation, responsibility, verantwoordelijkheid. What about the responsibility of a Christian to go to church and give his money in the church and all those type of things? Listen. If you must give your money because of a sense of this is my responsibility and I'll better do it. I go to church because I'm responsible to go there so that the pastor can feel good. Otherwise his church is empty. It's not of God. We cannot have a relationship born from will worship. 
not with prayer, not with fastings, not with giving, not with anything, not with church attendance, nothing. Unless the message of grace that says, I'm going to hear the unconditional love of God this Sunday, and that builds me up, that encourages me, and I want to hear God's good word over my life, so that my heart can stay established in the good news. I mean, unless that is the platform, why will you go? I mean, that is the only platform from where we can uh, go to church. So there's not, there's not such a thing as will worship. Responsibility, I like the one definition for responsibility. It is responsibility. Your ability to respond to the love of God. Amen. So when God loves you, we can respond. That's my responsibility. Responding to His love. Receiving His love. Amen. I said Luke chapter 11. Right. Verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he, um, when he ceased, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now just look at the foolish thing these people ask. Now according to us, this is foolish. According to grace, this is foolish. Because in those days, the people prayed like the Muslims. They had a prayer that they, they wanted a prayer to recite. And that's what the Muslims have today. You can have a book full of prayers. And then they will sing these prayers. You know? Uh, and you, you can go, have you ever watched Islam TV? I've watched that before. A couple of times. And, the, and, and you know what? I didn't see a big difference between that and many of the other Christian channels. It was the same thing. It was just... This is the, the, the pattern we try to follow to get God to do something for us. And they've got these prayers that they do through, through deep meditation. Mm, I, uh, huh? I don't know if I was praying in tongues now, but you, you, you know what I... <laughs> so that, that, that is the thing. So they, they sit with those prayers, they recite. Here comes the disciples, teach us how to pray like John. Then Jesus said, when you pray, say these words like a parrot. Okay? When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it, uh, as it is in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also uh, forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. <clears throat> And he said unto them, which of you, now listen to this, here he comes with this prayer, which is just reciting words. Okay, now there's some depths that we can also get out of this, and some awesome truth out of the, the, the Lord's Prayer. Okay, but I want to tell you, when it is something that you just recite, and that was what these people would do, it's just dead. It just means nothing. But then Jesus comes just after that, look, and explains the heart of prayer. He says, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, let me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble be not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. But this is how I see it. 
You can have the Lord's Prayer as uh, just reciting something to get something from God. And that will be like somebody who's got a friend. And this friend is in need. Then you go to your friend, which is God, and you knock at his door. And you say, please help me. So you can ask from the platform of the friend, saying, please help me. And then he will say, I am already in bed with my children. Now, are you a friend or are you a child? Sure. <laughs> from where do you ask? Are you somebody who knocks? Or are you in the bed with the father? You see, there are, there are two types of people that ask. The one comes from the outside and he knocks and God will answer him. That's why it says, blessed are those who seek, for they shall find. Okay? But then there are those that has founded what God has done for them. And they are already in bed. They are already in the rest of God. Okay. So if you are on the outside and you're asking, God will answer you. Just keep on seeking. Maybe you don't see the answer of grace the first day. It's like Paul. The, uh, God came to Paul. The first thing he asked Paul was, is it hard to kick against the pricks? On the road to Damascus, uh, uh, it was Damascus. Is it hard to kick against the goats or the prodding of the Holy Spirit in his heart? So as you, and I mean, I think he didn't understand all those things. And then the Lord appeared to him and things was, was made clear to him. In the very same way, when we want to know a revelation about a certain thing, we can go to our friend God and we can ask him and say, Lord, I am knocking at heaven's door and I want a grace answer about this. And your mentality can be, I'm coming from the outside to get God to answer me. So you can pray the Lord's Prayer from the outside, or you can pray it from the perspective of the child that's already in bed with the Father. I've seen with, with Bertus, now he's the smallest one, so, so when he goes to bed, he goes to our bed. Then he falls asleep there, then we take him to his bed. Then he's there, in our bed he's sleeping. And Eliana normally, she falls asleep four times at night. <coughs> Three times. Once, once with Hendry, once with uh, 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 Bertus, and once with me. <coughs> Aubrey's now too old. <laughs> so, but he will wake up and he will say, Mama, I water. And what do you do? There's no knocking, there's no begging. He's asking his mom or his dad for water. And what do you do? You give it. Do you think he asks in trying to believe that his mom's going to do it? <laughs> Pushing through. No. And that makes me think of this one time I was... Um, <clears throat> this really happened. Really happened. <clears throat> I, did, I, I did business and I did some sandblasting. So I went and I got sand on this farm and I had a little car with a trailer and I overloaded the trailer with wet sand. Now that was like over a ton and I've got this car that weighs a ton. <clears throat> and I'm pulling this thing at 110 kilometers an hour, too fast. And a big truck comes from the front. And then I had a guy that worked for me, his name was Isaac, was smoking marijuana. <clears throat> so Isaac, at least he wasn't drinking, so... He was just smoking. That was fine. So, 
<laughs> so he was with me in the car. And uh, we were going, and the big truck came from the front. And the wind of the truck got this trailer to go off balance. And it started to swing behind the car like this. So bad that it would go like 90 degrees with a car like that. And I had no control. The car was just going down the road. And I just knew, my dad said to me, whenever that happens, you never hit the brake. So now I'm <laughs> flat out. Lord. I shout at Isaac. I say, Isaac, but. But. <laughs> so now Isaac. I use in Sutu or Zulu, I don't know what language he spoke. He prays. He prays something, but I mean the car is shaking and he's, he's praying. So here, here we, the thing goes on this flat piece of road and, and it's shaking and the cars that come from the front, they go onto the ground. I mean, they see this trouble. And we, go, and we go up the hill. As we go up the hill, now the car's going to start to pull this thing straight. And then Isaac starts to pray again. And I'm praying all the time. So when, when the thing came straight, then I was now tired, you see. So I stopped. We had to get out and rest. <laughs> so I said, Isaac, tell me, why do you pray? And then you stop, and then you pray again. <laughs> now I can only say this in Afrikaans. I'll try and put it in English afterwards. I said, nee, baas. Eerst ek bid. Ek vraag om die Heere, hy moet my help. <laughs> en na so ruk, ek sê, Heere, jy moet nou gauw maak. <laughs> <laughs> so for those in English watching on the internet he said no boss I asked God help me and then after a while I said God you better be fast <laughs> and sometimes we've got that mentality you know we're knocking God you know you better be fast but when our hearts gets established into we are in, in, in the bed with the father we are in his rest I mean, why do we see ourselves always as the one outside? Why can't we see ourselves as the one inside? And asking from that perspective. Amen. And I believe that is what, what God wants for us. <laughs> Let go, let's go to uh, Psalm 102 verse 17. And we're going to just look at some of the Hebrew words. <clears throat> Psalm 102 verse 17. Okay, I'm just going to stand over here and I want to just read it, verse 17. Okay, just go to the King James Plus. That's it. <clears throat> I just look at this. Just to explain to you the gospel in prayer. Uh, there it is. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. Okay, now look at that. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise Alpha Omega, Aleph Tav, their prayer. So, <clears throat> for, you, for those of you that don't know what that word means, that word is the Hebrew, it's a Hebrew sign which is used 7,000 times in the Old Testament and hardly ever translated. Um, if you study it out in the Hebrew dictionaries, you will see it says it's a supernatural sign with, which cannot be translated into English. And it is the, it's two letters, the first letter and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, translated into Greek as Alpha Omega. 
Okay, that's why it's in brackets for it's not translated. So it says clearly there, he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise Aleph Taf, their prayer. So what is our prayer? Here he says he will not, he will regard the prayer and not despise the prayer. So what is our prayer? Our prayer is Jesus. Jesus is your prayer before the Father. Amen. Jesus is your prayer before the Father. That's why when I go before God in the name of Jesus, <laughs> He is the answer of my prayer. He's the giver of the very desire of my heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, listen, you guys must go and look at what I say, go and test what I say. I didn't get this from a book somewhere. I just studied this from the perspective of grace. Okay, and that's how I see prayer. Prayer is the communication of the fullness of God in my mouth before God. It is my meditation of Christ, the one that pampered me with the very life of God. That is my prayer. So when I go with my finances or when I go with my healing, Jesus is my prayer. So I cannot go with my good work because I am then taking, I'm substituting Christ for my effort, man. I cannot do that. That is not going to produce life. That's not going to produce a, a, a goodness and, and blessing in my heart. Amen. Hallelujah. But isn't that an awesome verse? Let's just look at it once more. Andres missed it. Let me turn it for Andres. Can you see Andres? Don't you feel pampered by God? Amen. It says there, He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise Alpha Omega, their prayer. So the prayer, Jesus is your prayer. Jesus is your prayer before the Father. So when I go before God, I go with Jesus. So He is, doesn't the Bible say He is our intercessor? He is your prayer. So how do, I, how do I pray? I meditate upon what He's done until it floods my mind and brings forth the requests. And those requests born from my prayer, Jesus, I make known. And you can be in very big distress and whatever, but from that meditation you will know what to pray when by the desire that comes forth in your revelation of how He served you. Hallelujah. Let's go to Isaiah 38 verse 5. Isaiah 38 verse 5. And then we're going to look at one more verse. Isaiah 38 verse 5. Let's read. Okay. Go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord. Now remember Hezekiah, he didn't obey God and God says you're going to die. Okay. Now he comes and he repents. And he says, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, the Father, I have heard Aleph Tav, thy prayer. And I have seen, Aleph Taf, thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 
15 years. So what does he say? He says, when this guy came and he prayed, and, and now he didn't understand anything about Jesus. I believe these things were hidden for us to understand prayer and how it works. He says, say to Hezekiah that I have seen Jesus, and I add to him 15 more years. Okay? And the way I see 15 is 10 speaks of the law and 5 speaks of grace. He covers the law with his grace. And he added life unto him. Amen. I saw your tears. And I believe the tears that comes forth, uh, true repentance, is tears that comes forth in the revelation of Christ. Isn't that awesome? Here a man comes. He's received the death penalty from God. Now listen, if God says you're going to die, you're going to die. If the mafia says you're going to die, you can pay somebody. You know, but if God says you're going to die, you will have to see Jesus in order for you to live. That's the only way. But it says, I have seen your prayer. I have seen Alpha Omega, Aleph Taf, thy prayer. I've seen it and I've added grace to you. Isn't that awesome? So let, let the, the meditation of your heart be how He loves you. And from that platform, prayer and requests will be formed by the Holy Spirit in your heart. When you pray, you can be knocking from the outside, but I want to tell you, it's much better to be in the rest of the Father, in the same bed, and speak and ask from that perspective of absolute care and peace. Amen. If you're knocking from the outside, I remember I was knocking. Through the law system, I was knocking at, at God's door of grace. I didn't understand, but then there was a time when it opened up for me. And, and it says, He will stand up and He will give to Him as much as what He desires. Amen. But when He opens the door, let's go in and sup with Him. Amen. And live from that perspective. Hallelujah. One more verse. Matthew 17, verse 21. The disciples come and they, they struggled to cast out the demon. And then this demon didn't want to go. And they said, why could we not cast the demon out, but Jesus, you could cast it out. And then this is the verse. I'm going to make sure it's the right verse. Matthew 17, verse 21. Matthew 17, verse 21. Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, sorry, yeah, verse 20, let's read from verse 20. This didn't go out, why? Because of your unbelief. So they had a belief that was un. Now listen, listen, this is very, very important. This did not go out, why? Because of the belief in your heart. Not because you didn't have strong enough faith. Maybe you had a faith that you were willing to, to try and raise a dead man in front of all of the world live broadcast television. But your belief that you had was un. It was not the correct belief. Your heart's persuasion was maybe law-based or works-based or, you know, not based in, uh, 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 how can I say, the belief was not or didn't originate from being pampered by God. Okay? So here he comes, he says, because of the unbelief in your heart. He says, because of unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove 
hence to, to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. So, what kind does not go out? Now, there's two things, and I've heard different teachings on this, and I, and, and, and I, I believe it actually speaks about the devil. But there's something much deeper in this. He said, listen, you had unbelief. Now, this unbelief, this kind, cannot go out. We can't, listen to the question, we cannot cast this devil out. Why? Because you possess unbelief. Okay. Now, this kind of unbelief cannot go out but by prayer. What is prayer? Meditation on Him pampering you. And fasting. To me, the New Testament way of fasting is stopping to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that unbelief will be able to leave you. And you can live in victory. Amen. And then you'll find your words full of power. Hallelujah. Now the wonderful thing is, Jesus did not come to condemn them because, and say, you are worthless, you are useless, or anything. He just said, listen, this will go out by you having faith. Persuasion. That's what the word faith is. How do I get persuasion? Through prayer. How do I pray? I meditate and meditate upon God until that desire comes in my heart. Let me give you a good example. When I meditate and ponder upon Jesus healing the sick, okay, then I find a desire coming in my heart to pray for the sick. Now, I can go to a healing crusade and I can look at how people heal the sick. You know, and I can feel very excited and also go and pray for people. But that to me is just not the same as having the revelation of how he loves the sick. How he was moved with compassion. That's how he, Jesus healed. Why was Jesus moved with compassion? It came out of his prayer life. What was his prayer life? Meditating and pondering upon what God says. And then out of that making his requests known. Yet Jesus comes and prays stuff like, Father, I want them to be one with us as we are one. And I want to be one with them and I want them to be one with me and then we will be one with you. I mean, where does he get that stuff? That's complicated stuff. He didn't come and pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He didn't pray that. Jesus didn't pray that, neither did Paul. Paul didn't pray that, or Peter. Go and read their prayers in the Bible. They didn't pray that. They had a prayer that was formed around the gospel of grace. What was Paul prayer? Paul's prayer. I pray that Christ, Christ might be formed in you. Why did he pray that? For he was meditating and pondering upon how God was pampering him and the human race with this gospel of unconditional love. You can be a businessman and then you will find a desire coming out of that that meditation concerning certain business deals and whatever and your prayer is only to, because God, God is standing and saying listen, you, you've been pondering upon what, I, what I've given you now desires has been formed in your heart which one do you want me to do? Then you pray making 
it known. <laughs> that's prayer. Well, people, there might be much deeper things or more, more, but that's how I pray. And I enjoy prayer. It's nice to pray that way. I'm never condemned by the message of prayer. I thank God. You know how much I pray? Pondering upon the gospel. Just thinking of Jesus and what He's done. That's prayer. And then from there, I find requests. God, thank you that we can preach the gospel there. Thank you that I can come here tonight. And when I, when I, when I talk about prayer, I want to do it in a way that people can understand and that their belief systems can be, I mean, empowered. Amen. When I say those things, I tell you those desires come from God. And then God brings it forth and gives me the ability to preach it in a way that you can understand it. And that can make you excited. Amen. Some say, I haven't felt that yet. Just, just. <laughs> Buy the CD. Amen. Okay, you can't buy it. You get it for free anyway. So. <laughs> that is prayer. According to me. Now, I've, I've left out some verses we'll see next week. We'll get in, into a bit more of this. You know, where James says, you, you, you pray and you ask, but you don't have. Why? You know, how does it work? And all boils down to the very same thing in Psalm 37. Jesus is your prayer. Amen. When you pray... Let the meditation be what Christ has done and, to, and the request formed by His finished work. And the Holy Spirit then does it for you. My goodness. We cannot get away. You know, this one guy said to me on Facebook, he says, how can you say that God will serve us? Let me tell you something. If you're not going to get used to it, you're going to, I mean, you're always going to feel uncomfortable. He is the one. You, you know your life? I like what this one preacher also said. He said, the word Christian means an imitation of Christ. And, and we were never called Christians by God. We were called Christians by the heathen. Okay? And by the unbelievers. They will say, oh, these people are just copying Jesus. They're like small Jesuses. They just do what Jesus did. But we were not to be called a copy of Jesus. We were to be called believers. Because the problem is, and, and I found it in church, is that we get a doctrine of where we are trying to do everything Jesus did. Listen, man. What did Nelson Mandela come and do for people that was oppressed in certain, in certain places? I mean, he came and brought an end to apartheid. Okay? And then, when there was the celebrations, now do you think that you're going to go into your little hop hasty by dancing like Mandela? <laughs> no ways. It's not if you can imitate his dance. It's if you can apply what he's done to your life. Amen. Dancing like him means nothing. Doing everything, must we do what Jesus did? I mean, Jesus died for the sin of the world. Must we now do it? No. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Should we do it? No. Jesus said that if you got healed 
from leprosy, you've got to take your sacrifice to the priests. Now, must we preach that? No, no. We should rather grab a hold of what He's done for us. And I said this morning, uh, the people were a bit shocked. I said, faith in Jesus can never save you. Faith that Jesus walked this earth can never save you. Faith that He even died can never save you. Faith that He rose again cannot save you. Now that is a shocker, but listen to what I'm saying. The Pharisees killed Him. They believed He died. Then, after He died and there was an earthquake, they said, truly, He's the Son of God. They believed He's the Son of God and they killed Him. They believed that He was dead. They believed that He was the Son of God. Then when He rose again, those same Pharisees said, let's fabricate a lie and say that He was stolen. Do you think that faith saves you? No, no, what saves you is what you believe, what His death implies. And what His obedience implies. And what His resurrection implies. Saying, because He was obedient, I'm righteous. Because He died, the only the, the man that had a, revela- a relationship with God on the law foundation is dead forevermore. Because He's raised from the dead forever, as long as what God lives in the embodiment called Jesus. I will be righteous before God. I mean, that is faith. (laughs) That is persuasion that saves you from all condemnation and judgment and gives you a new life. Hallelujah. So, you know, we've also said faith in Jesus. But what Paul meant when he wrote that was faith in what that means. Because they believed in the Messiah to come that would fulfill a certain purpose. So when they said, we believe He is the Christ, it meant something to the Jew's mind. I believe He died for my sin. What does that mean? He he took my sin away. And I receive Him as my Savior. Now I do believe that uh, uh, when we receive Jesus as Lord, when I did that uh, uh, years ago in 1989, I didn't understand everything I understand now. But what I did understand was that I need a Savior. And that was enough. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgive all my sins. And my concept was, this person removes me from my sins and he saves me. Which is enough for a person to receive eternal life. But to walk in abundance of life in this world, we need to be enlightened in every area of our life. With this message. So let's pray. Let's pray all the time. Amen. It's so easy to pray all the time. Think and meditate and ponder upon what He's done for us. Allow those desires to come forth. Make it known unto God. Jesus is your prayer and God will not despise Jesus, your prayer. So Jesus is... Now listen, if you would think, did I have enough faith? Did I pray right? Did I do this? You you can doubt... But if you know Jesus is your answer, you know that God looks at Jesus and He will not despise Jesus. And that gives you a boldness. Amen. And that's why the scripture says there, when you've made your request known to God, prayed in the name of Jesus, then the peace of God, which is greater than anything, will guard your heart. When I think of it this way and I make my request known to God, I've got peace. For Jesus is my prayer. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, I want to just thank You for who You are. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that we can pray, meditate upon Your goodness. Thank You, Lord, that every desire formed in our hearts as we meditate upon Your Word is born of You and is tailor-made for every person and their personality. Thank You for that, my God. Thank You, thank You, thank You. I want to thank You, my Lord, that as these people go home, that Your Holy Spirit will work in their hearts, in their belief systems, as they pray. And thank You, Lord, that all unbelief, a belief that is twisted a little bit, that's not completely in line with what You've done, will leave us as we pray and as we fast and not partake of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but partake of what You've done for us. Thank You, my Father. Thank You, my Father. Thank You, Holy Spirit, that You are there to remind us of everything we have freely received in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just feel in my heart, I want to just speak healing over every person here that's got any type of sickness. Even if you struggle financially with family difficulty or children and you're going through hard times, I'd like to just <clears throat> pray for you right now. Thank you, Father, that from the meditation of what you've done for us, we know that sickness and disease doesn't have a right in our life. Therefore, I can come and bring my request and say, these people are healed right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And you will not despise Jesus, our prayer. I declare healing Healing for sugar diabetes, healing for cancer, healing over every back problem, headache problem, shoulders, knee, hip problems, whatever there can be. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that they are healed, completely healed in Jesus' name. You know, people, I just see this vision of, of, like <clears throat> the, uh, 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 of, of God's throne. You know, and, and just God. But it's not as we always thought, you know, so high and lifted up. It, I, I just see this brightness and this light. And just, it's so clean. I just see, like, cleanliness. It's so clean. And we are all standing there, so clean before God. And our minds and our conscience, conscience is washed by the blood of Jesus from a sin consciousness unto a consciousness of Christ and what is done. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that as we look into your law of liberty, we are illuminated with the light of the revelation of your joy and righteousness and peace that you gave unto us freely. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.